Hello, my name is Wayman Gay, the third host of the Locked On Seminoles podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. We are back again discussing Florida State's offense today and some things that you know we've got to you know we need to see from the Seminoles going forward as they face Miami on Saturday. For those of you who are returning listeners, I really appreciate all the support. Uh, it's been truly amazing, and I really appreciate you guys continuing to tune in and listen. It really does mean a lot. If you're a new listener and you don't know who I am, I'm the Florida State beat writer for the Tallahassee Democrat. I've covered Florida State for the last four seasons. I started out as an intern on the scout.com site, uh, nulldigest.com for Florida State. I worked my way up to the publisher of that site, and then in August of 2016, I got the job as the FSU beat writer for the Tallahassee Democrat. I cover football, baseball, basketball, and recruiting. I'm at every football game, home away, bowl game, doesn't matter. I'm there. I was in Louisville on Saturday, and I'll be in Miami, or Miami Gardens, because it's not actually in Miami, for Florida State's game against the Hurricanes on Saturday. Every football practice, every time Willie Taggart speaks, every time a player speaks, every practice that's open, I'm there. So I have a pretty good idea of what's going on around the football program, basketball, cover every home basketball game as well as any postseason basketball game. I was in Nashville and Los Angeles for Florida State's Elite Eight run last season. And for baseball, I cover every home game and then any postseason games. I was out in Omaha for the College World Series two years ago. I also cover every major and minor recruiting event like the Saturday Night Live event that happened in, at the end of July and the Junior Day events that happen in late February, early March. So I have a pretty good idea of what's going on around the program, and I think it translates pretty well into this podcast, but we'll continue uh, We'll continue and go on. We're going to be talking about the Florida State offense today, some uh some stuff that happened at practice today, which was very, very interesting. And and then just uh, what Walt Bell and the offensive players had to say about the Florida State offense. Jumping in, we're going to talk about Florida State's inability to run the football. Uh, that's, that's the biggest issue that the Seminoles have right now. They're averaging 2.8 yards per carry. It's 126th in college football. It's, it's atrocious. It's, it's terrible. But there were signs of life from the Florida State running game against Louisville. The offensive line was finally getting a push, something it hadn't done all year long, but it was finally getting a push. And in the first quarter, the running game looked like it was going to be able to get going. Florida State was doing a good job of getting upfield, taking the three, four yards and and really you know putting themselves into favorable situations uh, on third downs. So Florida State averaged five, uh, 5.2 yards per carry in the first quarter on six rushing attempts. That's not a lot, but that's far better than anything they'd done in a previous quarter outside of Cam Akers' 85-yard run, which skewed uh, skewed the stats in the Virginia Tech game. But the, like there weren't any big running plays. It was just consistent running where Florida State found success. Uh, they found a lot of success running behind Cole Minshew and Landon Dickerson. Uh, and, um, you know, th- those two guys were able to get a push and did a, did a really good job. The offensive line was much better against Louisville than they had been in the previous four games. And I, at this point, with Derek Kelly out, I think this is we, – we'll, we'll, I'll argue that Arthur Williams should be playing over Mike Arnold, but that's kind of ticky-tack at this point. This is probably the best five that Florida State has at this point in time until Derek Kelly comes back. Then I think that you uh, put him back in at guard because that's where – he started the season, and I think that's where he'll be the most successful. If you're doing that, you place him with Mike Arnold because Brady Scott's done a done a really good job, and not a really good job. He's done a good job at at right tackle for the Seminoles. But Florida State went on and finished the game, averaging 
just uh, 2.5 yards per carry on 31 rushes. I just it didn't turn out well. Florida State continued to run the football. I mean, they they continued to run the football. They ran the they ran the football 31 times. They passed the ball 27 times. There's a lot of balance in the offense. And Willie Taggart's made it very very clear that Florida State's not going to abandon the run game, which they shouldn't. They it should be right now a pass first offense, which is going to open up the run. But in order to do that, you still have to be you have to still have to be trying to run the football. So you know, it, it, that's going to continue in the second half. Florida State threw the ball more than they did in the they threw the ball more than they did than they ran the ball. Only by two though. Even when they were down fourteen at the half, Florida State threw the ball fifteen times. Ran the ball 13 times. They ran the ball for uh, only 1.2 yards per rush. They gained 16 rushing yards in the second half. But they also had 218 passing yards. And the because they were still trying to run the football, Louisville was bringing the safeties up. It created one-on-one matchups. And Florida State was able to take advantage of those one-on-one matchups, specifically to Tamorian Terry and to Trey McKitty. And... Um, you know, we'll get into the the play call for Trey McKitty's touchdown because it was it was really a nice, a, a well drawn up play. Um, talk a little bit about that in just a second, but we're going to get back to the running game. You know, Florida State found some success in the first uh, in the first quarter, but it couldn't translate it to the rest of the game. But there was that sign, you know, that spark that that they did have in the first quarter, and you know, Cam Akers was talking today about how you know that gives them a little bit of hope that they can get this thing going. They, they believe that they're close to, to breaking one. And really, Florida State's, as good as DeAndre Francois was in the passing game, and he was very good in the passing game against Louisville, spe- uh, specifically in the second half. But Florida State's inability to run the ball it goes back in part to DeAndre Francois making incorrect reads at times. You know, there's there's a couple plays where Francois, if he takes off, is gone for like 30 yards. I mean, there's nobody in front of him. There's one play that ended up being a uh, sweep to Cam Akers, who was out at, at wide receiver, and you had two guards pulling, pulling uh, over to the side to where if DeAndre keeps it, he's gone. Like there's nobody over there. There's there's a linebacker that has to. Um, has to try and get past two offensive linemen. It's just not going to happen. Francois would have been gone, um, and he just he didn't uh, he didn't see it or he didn't read it right or maybe it was just a designed play that way, which I don't I wouldn't understand considering that the the guards were actually pulling. You know, if if it's a designed run, a, a designed sweep to Cam, and it ended up going for negative I think negative three yards because you know it just got strung out and there were too many bodies on the. Uh, on the right side for the number of Florida State blockers, whereas on the left side that was, was com- or yeah, it, it was completely wide open, and yeah, that's just part of the issue. Florida State he, he's not identifying when he's supposed to keep and when he's supposed to read, and it's basically allowing Louisville to just take and shift down the line, or it allowed Louisville to shift down the line and completely ignore Francois's ability to run the football because he's just not doing it, and it created a numbers mismatch. Uh, you know, Florida State's offensive line was still getting a push, but the problem was is that there were just too too many bodies most of the time for, for the offensive line to deal with, and that comes from Francois not being a threat at all in the running game. So there's, there's some issues there, and I, th- I do think that's a big part of why Florida State's struggling 
to um, to have success in that area. But they made it clear that they are not going to stop trying to run the football, that they believe that the only way to keep having success in the passing game is to continue to try to run the football, and I do agree with that. I would like to see a few more passes, um, you know, maybe on early downs, but that, that number isn't as bad as a lot of people think it is. Florida State did run the ball, and pat, like it was pretty even. I think they uh, ran the ball two more times on first down than throwing the ball. So it's you, there, there's only so much you can do if Francois is not going to be reading it right. You know, it, I personally think that if that's going to happen, if Florida, if Francois isn't going to read it right or is incapable of reading it right, or th- then they just need to take that that part out of the offense because he's just not getting the job done. Just completely remove it from the offense and try and go with something else um, because he's right now he's he's just not doing a very good job with that. But there are signs there that the offense can be successful. It's running the football, you know, running behind Landon Dickerson, Cole Minshew is is going to really help. Now that's if Landon Dickerson is able to play this weekend. He was not observed at practice today, so that's obviously not a great sign for Florida State because. You know that that's that's kind of you. You need him to be back. He's your best offensive lineman, and he you know he did have the two penalties. He had the two false starts, and then I discussed the holding penalty against him, which I thought was crap. Um, you know, really bad call by Jeff Flanagan's crew, who I went in on yesterday in yesterday's podcast. But he's the best offensive lineman Florida State has, and when he's in the game, Florida State's offensive line looks significantly better than without him. So not having him against Miami would be a huge blow. But if they do. You know, Florida State might be able to find a little more success running behind that left side of the line. In the second segment, we'll get into what happened at practice today. Some interesting, some very interesting reps in Noel Drill. We'll get into that. But before we get into that, we all love a night out, whether it's seeing our favorite band in person or being there to cheer on the Knowles in Dope Campbell Stadium or wherever Florida State is if they're on the road. With Vivid Seats, you can attend the concert, show, or sporting event of your choice at a great price. Vivid Seats is a top source for tickets for all the live events you want to go to, and you can sort by price or look for seats in the section and row of your choice. To make things even better, Vivid Seats is giving listeners an exclusive promo code for new customers to receive $20 off orders of $200 or more to save even more money. Go to the App Store or Google Play and download the Vivid Seats app. Use promo code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, locked on, no spaces, for $20 off orders of $200 or more as a new customer of Vivid Seats. Every purchase is backed by a 100% buyer guarantee, so make a memory that lasts a lifetime and let Vivid Seats help you get get you to your favorite live event. Thanks for sticking with me as we head into the second segment. And Florida State ran null drills again today, and there was a lot. There was a lot to lot to break down. You know, Florida State's uh, defensive line pretty much dominated dominated the Florida State offensive lineman today, and it, it really it really showed because there were there were a lot more uh, tackles at the line of scrimmage than there have been. The there were two guys. Well, there were two guys who really sh- uh, stood out in the. Um, on the offensive line, and that was Brady Scott, who's the starting right tackle, and Arthur Williams, who's backing up, uh, who's a backup guard right now. And Scott went head to head with Wally Amy three times, and the first time, Amy did get the better of him, but Scott was able to, get, you know, to block him just enough for the running back to get by. So it was, it was more of a wash. It was the next two reps they put him back together again, and in the second rep. Brady Scott got over him and drove uh, drove Amy into the ground, pancaked him, and Amy took uh, took exception 
to that and wasn't uh, wasn't very happy with the way that Brady Scott went about that. Of course, the offensive player, you know, they got into each other's faces and uh, the offensive and defensive players were were really fired up about it. The coaches were really fired up about it. So they made him go again for a third time. You now Scott uh, Scott won the third rep again. He turned uh, he turned Amy sideways, got the running back by him, and then and then uh, continued to continued to hold him uh, hold him off until the play was over. And then after the play was over, you know Amy uh, continued to push and pushed him to the ground. I mean, it was it was a really fiery you know intense back and forth battle. I thought Scott got the best of Amy in two out of the three reps, and I thought the other one was a draw just because. Amy wasn't able to get off Scott in order to make the play. But yeah, it was really nice to see a guy like Brady Scott, who's gaining more confidence on that offensive line, have success against a, a guy like Amy. Um, Arthur Williams had a really nice rep against um, DeMarcus Christmas. He was able to uh, hold him off and spring the back free. So other than that, it was it was mostly a defensive, uh, de- de- defense owned the, uh, the rest of the drill. Uh, Marvin Wilson tossed Mike Arnold, made the tackle to the line of scrimmage. Robert Cooper just shot off the ball, threw uh, Bavion Johnson to the ground, and made a tackle. Uh, it was really, uh, it was really impressive, you know, for a guy who's listed at 380. He, yeah, you know, I, I listed him at 380 on Twitter, and he uh, he came back and said he's down. I don't know how much he's down. He does look better than he did, um, but he's listed at 380, so I'm going to mark him at 380. We'll have to wait for Florida State to update that uh, that roster to get an accurate number on him, but it's still it's still over 350 at this point, and he shouldn't be able to move that that well for a guy that big. Uh, Janarius Robinson had a really nice rep against Abdul Bello, and Malcolm Lamar had a really nice rep against Chaz Neal. Xavier Peters was working, uh, didn't have a good rep at defense at defensive end, but when he went to linebacker, he, he had a rep at linebacker, and he made um, Jonathan uh, Vickers who was playing tight end, he made him miss on the initial push and then came up and made the tackle. So it was a really nice job by him. We'll have to see if he continues to get more reps at, at linebacker, but he was with the defensive line during uh, during the rest of the practice. You know, it's a really intense set of null drills with players on both sides getting fired up. You know, Marvin Wilson uh, got his helmet kind of ripped off and still went out and made the tackle. It was very, you know, he, he was, Marvin Wilson continues to be a beast. Uh, as he gets healthier and more confident after his knee injury that he suffered in the spring, he just continues to get better and better. I thought he was Florida State's best defensive player against Louisville. He conti- he consistently beat double teams, got pressure. He did have the, uh, the rough in the passer, but you love to see the aggression from a guy like that who's finally starting to come into his own and live up to the hype. I thought that he was he was excellent against uh, against Louisville, but you know the rest of the practice, Florida State's linebackers were working on uh, getting their depth because one of the issues that they had against Louisville was that the linebackers weren't getting back deep enough, and that's part of why the middle of the field was wide open. Although you know it, most of the passes went 30, 40 yards downfield, and the linebackers can't get deep enough for that, so. It, it was the linebackers working on getting their depth and knocking receivers off their routes once they got into it. So, you know, and then making sure that they're they're all in their in their right zones when they're uh, when they're in zone coverage. The defensive line was working again on the uh, read option, and that's something that they worked on last week. They didn't see that much of it, but they might see more of that this week with Nikosi Perry. 
Perry had uh, has 20 attempts so far for 51 yards. He's not really uh, not really that great with overall numbers, but he does have some success. And Miami's running game is really really good with tra- combination of Travis Homer and DJ Dallas. They found a lot of success so far um, when it comes to that. So. Florida State's going to have to uh, have to be prepared for the read option with Nikosi Perry, and they're also he's they're also going to have to be uh, able to stop the run. Now they've been able to stop the run. That hasn't been a that hasn't been a big problem for Florida State so far this year. It's mostly come in the passing game. That's been a pretty big issue for the Seminoles uh, throughout the entire the entire season. There've been receivers wide receivers running running free, and that's just going to come down to communication. Coach Tiger talked about it yesterday and after the game that there's just a lot of miscommunication on what was going on in the secondary, and they've got to figure that out. And it's uh, that's against this Miami team, which has a really, really excellent receiving core, is going to yeah, – they're really going to have to step up because this is going to be a huge challenge for them. But that'll, um, that'll do it for this part of the segment. We'll get into the final segment here in just a second. But before that happens, thank you guys for sticking with me as we head into the final segment. We're going to talk a little bit about what was going on on the offense today and what they were working on. And I, I promise to get into Trey McKitty's uh, touchdown pass, and because th- that was such a really cool play, I want to I want to jump right into it because I thought it was very interesting. And McKitty runs a little wheel uh, wheel route, and he ends up with a linebacker on him, which is a complete mismatch for how athletic McKitty is. But the wide receiver ends up taking two, I believe it's Terry. Yeah, it's Terry. Ends up taking the his corner and the safety out of the play, out of where they're supposed to be. Both of them go with Terry because he's such a touchdown machine, and you know he's been a favorite target for DeAndre Francois in that situation, and. That leaves Terry isolated on a, uh, not Terry, that leaves McKitty isolated on a linebacker in a, in a wheel route situation. And then Francois makes a, a very good pass on what's pretty good coverage by the Louisville linebacker. But man, it's just a, it's a great pass, a great catch, and a really cool play call where you know, it's, it's doing what it's designed to do to get Florida State's playmakers out in one-on-one. And I'll take Trey McKitty, who's been really, really good so far this season. Um, up against any linebacker in the country. Uh, Florida State should aim to do that against Miami's linebackers. They are very, very good. Quarterman is excellent. But in a one-on-one situation with Trey McKitty, I'll take Trey McKitty every time over any of those guys. But I thought that was a, that was a pretty, pretty interesting play call. One other thing that I wanted to highlight for what Florida State was doing um, and that's Nyquan Murray. You know, we've talked about his his first touchdown pass. We talked about his second touchdown uh, pass, the one the game winner. But w- what I didn't uh, mention the other day was that he um he took a he took a ball on a little reverse where floor, where it looked like he was getting ready to throw the ball. Ninety five times when a receiver gets a chance in a play like this to throw the ball, they're going to throw the ball. But he didn't force it. He made the smart decision. And I'm not sure that he would have made that decision in the past. I think he's really stepped up, uh, you know, as far as understanding when to take risks and when to not take risks. He pulled it down. He got 14 yards on the rush. And it, it was just such a smart decision that I wanted to point it out. Because it's not something that I think he would have done in the past. I think he would have thrown that ball. And, I mean, he was clearly looking to throw. And 
then it, it, there's nothing open. So he pulls it down, gets 14 yards, and extends Florida State's drive. So it was a really smart play by him and something that I think uh, it, it really says a lot about the growth that he's had during his time at Florida State. Um, on the offensive line, Juwan Williams was wearing a non-contact jersey. The biggest issue was, like I said, Dickerson not being observed to practice. Derek Kelly wasn't seen either, um, though Willie Taggart did give a positive update on Kelly, saying that he was day-to-day yesterday. So that's that's kind of a, a big deal that neither of them were out of practice. Um, Florida State obviously needs Landon Dickerson back, and getting Derek Kelly back would be huge as well. But... With both of those guys out, Abdul Bella was working as the starting left tackle, and Mike Arnold continues to work in as the starting right tackle. I thought Cole Minshew was Florida State's best offensive lineman uh, against Louisville, and he rely, uh, Greg Fry relied on him to serve as his demonstrator for technique that he was looking for during drills with Dickerson out. It says a lot about what he thinks of Minshew that he was willing to use him as the guy to uh, as the guy to do that. Um, when they when they split into group, and that was before they split into groups with the centers. So you had Alec Everly there, who's been you know he started I think like thirty you know thirty nine games at this point in his career. He, he chose Cole Minshew to demonstrate it because you know Cole's re, Cole was really really good on on Saturday against Louisville. So I think that's a that's definitely a positive for Florida State. And Florida State heads to Miami this weekend as a 13-and-a-half-point dog. That's the biggest spread I can remember going against Florida State in this rivalry. I mean, uh, it's the biggest since I've obviously covered this team. Um, Florida State's obviously dominated the series for the most part, except for last year when Miami snuck out with the last-second victory. But this is uh, this is going to be a big challenge for, for Florida State. There's so many, you know, there's so many things that... Miami does well that Florida State hasn't done well so far. Miami leads the nation in tackles for loss, and Florida State's one of the worst teams in the country as far as allowing tackles for loss. Though we did see improvement from that with Florida State's uh, offensive line not allowing a single sack against Louisville. But this is going to be a step up in competition, particularly on the defensive line. Gerald Willis, the former Florida Gator, uh, you might remember him for his mom's antics when he committed to Florida over LSU. But he was—he's uh, been awesome this year. He—I believe he leads the nation with 11 tackles for loss. So Florida State's really going to have their hands full on the offensive line and could really use—you know—as as far as the offensive line goes, I—they—they they really need to have Dickerson back because the gap between Abdul Bello and Landon Dickerson is really significant. Other than that, I think the other. Outside of Mike Arnott, I think the other three offensive linemen can handle what Miami's going to be bringing. Um, but I'm just not sold on Mike Arnold. I thought he, he he was Florida State's worst offensive lineman against Louisville, um, making some mistakes. And I really would like to see Arthur Williams in there um, going forward. But you know, it, it's not it's not a bad unit when Lane Dickerson's in there. And you know, we, obviously we're still grading on a curve because of the talent level of Florida State's offensive line and the depth and just what Willie Taggart and Greg Fry were left with. So it's it's going to be interesting to see how Florida State deals with a step up in competition, particularly on the inside with Gerald Willis. Um, one of the biggest issues that Florida State's having, especially with Mike Arnold, is that he takes the wrong guy on a lot of stunts. When, when uh, defense is bringing the defensive end inside and the defensive tackle bounces outside, like, 
at least half the time, Arnold tries to take the defensive tackle when that's not his assignment. His assignment's the defensive incoming inside, and that's that's caused a lot of issues. That on Florida State's first drive when they got to third and four, down on the uh, down on the goal line, it it was Mike Arnold who took the defensive tackle instead of trying and staying in his gap and taking the defensive end that really allowed that, didn't allow that play to go. So, I think that uh, Florida State's going to have some trouble. With floor, uh, with Miami's defensive tackle or defensive tackles and defensive line overall, but it, it's gonna it's definitely gonna be interesting, and I think that's where if Florida State's gonna have any chance to to beat Miami, it's going to have to see an improved offensive line performance, even over what they saw at Louisville when they were much better than they had been in the previous four games. But that'll do it for this edition of the Locked On Seminoles podcast. I hope you guys have enjoyed what uh you know what you're hearing and i hope you'll continue to return and listen to you know as as we go through the season uh, i really appreciate all the support like i said earlier i really appreciate just all the support it's it's meant so much but for the locked on seminoles podcast i'm wayne mcgahey have a wonderful day